0: to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm here with my co-host.
1: I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, teenage heartthrob. <laughs> Sure. Are you on the cover of Tiger Beat? I was it was me and jo- both the Lawrences, Joey and Matthew. Lawrence, wasn't there a third? There's probably Lawrence? a third, the little little Andy? Lawrence? Is there an Andy Lawrence? There I'm sure there is somewhere. All right. But uh, you know, uh jtt was in there from time to time and and bald Jason with his giant beard. Well, I wasn't. It wasn't me. Now I was. Oh, it was when you were. A when teenager. I was a teenager, it would be oh, okay. weird if I was a teenage heartthrob now, Josh. Yeah.
0: I mean, it would be also weird if you were a teenage heartthrob when you were a teenager, considering that uh, you were just a normal, normal weirdo teenager. Yeah. How many copies of your issue did you buy, Tiger Beat? Yeah. Um.
1: Well, I. I mean, autographed. I. I mean, I would sell them to myself after I autographed them to make money. I never seem to make any money that way. So. That's,
0: that's crazy. Yeah. Well, in this season of Awesome Movie Year, we're talking about the films of 1989. And in this episode, we're talking about the Sundance Film Festival Grand Jury Prize winner, True Love, which is a movie that neither of us, I think, had even heard of before we prepared uh, for this season. I knew nothing about it, Josh. Yeah, it is... We talked uh, earlier in the season during our Sex, Lies, and Videotape episode about how that was such a huge deal for Sundance, and that was the Audience Award winner at Sundance in 1989. But uh, True Love, directed by Nancy Savoca and co-written by Nancy Savoca and her husband, Richard Gay, uh, was the Grand Jury Prize winner and kind of was eclipsed by Sex, Lies, and Videotape, I would say.
1: Uh, I I think that and some other films from the 89... Uh, independent film boom but yes. uh yeah that was that was the fun of this movie is like uh we knew nothing and you go in and you're like well did it deserve to be eclipsed or does it deserve to have a better place in the canon of film lore
0: yes and i think it deserves to have a better place yeah well. it's it's been a little undeservedly forgotten uh it was successful at the time though i mean in addition to Winning its Sundance Award, it grossed $1.4 million on a budget of only $750,000. So that's pretty good for a small independent film. It was nominated for three Independent Spirit Awards, including Best Feature, Best Director, and Best Female Lead for Annabella Sciorra. So, I mean, I think among indie movies at the time, it was well-regarded. It just kind of hasn't stayed it is, hasn't had the staying power i know you know you know i look up the lists and everything it was oh yeah lists.
1: And, yeah uh it was on the uh entertainment weekly 50 greatest independent films of all time list and what year
0: did that list come out like 97 or so
1: oh okay well but, so was like eight years later it was still yeah. remembered yeah i still think it i mean i don't I'm not, i haven't made a list myself but this would be on a list of Contenders to be on the list. Oh, you know? a list so. of list contenders. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: the best kind of list.
1: But I, and then also, uh, it was in the New York Times, you know, one thousand movies you have to see list as well. Uh, okay. So um, Well, you know. yeah,
0: that's that's not bad. It was relatively well reviewed, also. Although Siskel and Ebert split on it. Ebert gave it a thumbs up, and Siskel gave it a thumbs down. He thought it was contrived which I don't necessarily agree with. But in his review, Roger Ebert said, The movie is a fiction film that looks and sometimes feels like a documentary. The director, Nancy Savoca, who co-wrote the screenplay with Richard Gay, uses a mobile camera to give us the impression we're in the middle of one of those cinema verite documentaries where life goes on regardless of the filmmakers. We're there at the family conferences and at the heartfelt confessions over kitchen tables and in the saloons where the groom-to-be hangs out with his buddies. Although the movie has been carefully constructed, it creates the feeling of improvisation and spontaneity. A lot of scenes unfold like a movie by John Cassavetes, where the events seem to be happening while we watch them, and the camera seems to be present by a lucky chance. So he had like the opposite impression of Siskel. And Cassavetes
1: in 89, there was like a, a ton of Cassavetes movies uh, at Sundance, like retrospective
0: stuff. And oh, did they like have that? a big Cassavetes retrospective yeah, at Sundance? Yeah,
1: so, and you know, the other movie from 89 that we already covered heathers was in the sundance 89 film festival so that's a good year for sundance right that's another film that's eclipsed this one in uh in in its cult following right uh yeah this definitely feels like one of those um very new york style stories and um i can see that I, i didn't think much of it felt improvised but i felt like it felt Real, like the scenes felt real to me. So I was right. pretty happy with that.
0: Yeah, it has that authenticity, especially of the the place and the culture that it comes from. I think. Um, I agree, it doesn't really feel improvisational or documentary-like necessarily. I mean it 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 feels written, which is okay. I don't think it's contrived as much uh as Siskel said it was, but not quite Casavetti's, maybe.
1: Yeah, I don't feel it was contrived at all. I felt like like you're saying it was a story that uh, Savoka and probably uh, Gay, you know, they knew if, if they hadn't experienced these situations themselves, they've knew known people who were, you know, in very similar situations. Right,
0: right. Hal Hinson in the Washington Post also had a, had a similar kind of uh, assessment to Ebert. He said, Savoka's greatest skills as a filmmaker are repertorial. There's a sense of precision and accuracy in the details, but something else too, a graceful sense of proportion, of the proper order and weight of things. This is rare for comedy, which usually requires exaggeration to score its points. But Savoka, who directed the movie from a script that she wrote with her husband, Richard Gay, has too much love for her characters' lives to distort them for laughs. Everything in the film comes out of the filmmakers' affectionate empathy for their milieu. And even though it's only their first film, they already have a knack for making the absolute most out of their material.
1: Yeah, I, I, what I agree with there is... Um... The idea that the the laughs come from situations, not from jokes. They're not writing jokes. Everything that comes uh, out of a character feels, like we said, authentic, realistic. And there's a lot of funny stuff in there and a lot of stuff that if you grew up in the Northeast, you'd recognize those characters of, you know, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. At one point you mentioned they finally said forget about it. And I was yeah. like it was an
0: earned forget about it you know that's true i did note down they say forget about it three times you did know that yes yes which of course Um, takes place in the bronx if we haven't mentioned that right and
1: you know the first scene is uh in an italian well the first during the credits we see this kind of engagement party videotape um that sets a nice little tone but then we're right in an italian deli and customers are Breaking balls with the guys behind the counter and everything. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I haven't been among these people in this in this place, but it definitely felt like getting a glimpse into something real. And you are more familiar with. Yeah, it. Yeah, I grew up
1: in Northern Jersey, and this like I knew most of these characters. Right. You know, there's a guy in there who's, like, selling rings, like, and he's a family friend, and he's still trying to rip off the characters, like, well, you get these rings, it's a set, so you get all three, and then the uncle's like, yeah, you know they're not rich, you gotta give them a deal, you know, so, but, uh, you know, Dave grew up in the Northeast, too, did you have a very uh, kind of Italian-American neighborhood where you were no
0: yeah a lot of my parents friends and somehow that's who they've fallen into here in vegas too a lot of those kind of people yeah there were actually a lot of those people who end up in vegas i think and and nancy Savoca herself is from the bronx and is uh italian american so clearly
1: the other thing about that review is he's talking about it, it feels like on their first film they got it right yeah and i was when we were and we'll discuss more of this it's like man i really started to look at like her filmography and like I want to watch some of these other movies, but I also wonder, like, why haven't we seen her go, go on to not necessarily as the sides of Soderbergh, but as a director of, you know, that you look out for it.
0: Right, point? right. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like they put a lot of personal experience in this, and maybe that was kind of all of it right away. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that more later. Um, the last review I have is from Ira Robbins in Entertainment Weekly. Who said, loaded with plenty of pungent details, true love offers abundant food for thought merely by allowing realistic people to be themselves. Left to the imagination, the couple's future becomes a mirror of the audience's own views about love, life, and marriage. While some viewers may simply laugh at the provincial accents and attitudes, many others will recognize universal truths. And we're talking about the married couple or the about to be married couple played by Annabella Shiora and Ron Eldred. First film roles for both of them, if I'm not mistaken. I I doubt you are mistaken.
1: Yeah. There's good chemistry there. And she you could see with her, especially like she's definitely an actress that's worth watching going forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. I she I was she was the one who was singled out, I think, more often in these reviews, uh, not in the the parts that I excerpted, but in other parts. So it was definitely a good debut for her, and maybe more even more so than than for Nancy Savoca. So obviously we had neither of us seen this movie. Before.
1: I had never heard of it. Yeah. I was and I was shocked, like, you know, so like you were saying, like Sex Lies was that movie of that time. And then we were talking about like 1989, also New York. The story of New York of that time was do the right thing. So it's like, did it get lost in this? very influential New York kind of indie movie and this very influential, you know, uh indie boom movie. And uh, I think that's what happened is it got kind of wedged in between those two somewhere.
0: Yeah, it was overshadowed, I guess, by movies that do similar things. And I mean, talk about those two movies, you know, Steven Soderbergh and Spike Lee go on to become, you know, two of the most acclaimed directors in American cinema history. And Nancy Savoca is kind of left behind. She's a
1: working, she's a working director, still working. Richard Gaze produced some good films, right? But, um, but not... not
0: at the heights of those other right. two, certainly. Uh, yeah. yeah, So had you heard of this? I had not. I mean, I would have assumed when we were talking about covering this year that "Sex Lies and Videotape" was the grand jury winner uh, because that's what Sundance is known for in 1989. So no, I had no idea. I had not heard of Nancy Savoca. Obviously, I'm familiar with some of these actors, but more as you know, just kind of working character actors, like we were saying. So, yeah, I think this is a movie. It was tough for us to get it. Uh, we had to get a. I still do subscribe to Netflix's DVD by mail service, and Thank that's how we watched it. Yeah. Yes, but
1: there's no other way. We couldn't find it anywhere streaming. We couldn't find it at the library. Right. There was really. It was if we didn't get this, we would have had to cover something else. Right. But like you had mentioned, I mean, not only is Sex Lies and Videotape like synonymous with Sundance '89, but I mean, I think for film people. If you say Sundance Film Festival, what's the first movie you think of in the entire history? Yeah. I think Sex, Lies, and Videotape is the top of that list for many, many people.
0: Yeah, it it did really kind of go hand in hand with Sundance becoming a big deal. And so this is a movie that you're not just going to come across this movie. You have to seek it out. And we did, but probably not a lot of people are going to.
1: That was part of the pleasure of it. Was It's fun when you find like a lost gem. I know in college we had watched... Uh, Superstar by Todd Haynes, have you ever seen that? I haven't that's a
0: movie I know that's still like not legally available it's, yes, it's not <laughs> but that
1: didn't stop us right It's uh you know his Todd Haynes unauthorized uh biography pick of the carpenters all made with Barbie dolls right and, you know it feels cool when you can kind of track these movies down and um I mean that one you could see why the carpenters might not like
0: it so much right i mean this movie isn't you don't have to pirate it you can find it but it definitely takes the effort and she
1: has another movie called household saints which i think was another was probably her second most critically acclaimed film about three generations of italian american women and then that's another one that's almost impossible to find yeah
0: yeah it's tough i mean i think it's it's tough for someone to build that career and build that acclaim if people just aren't able to see the movies
1: yeah you wonder why how could that happen to two of her movies like yeah. is there some type of ownership dispute or
0: i mean it happens to a lot of movies that just don't they they fall through the cracks um any other background info that you found i know there's not a lot on this but i no, you, you, you like- mentioned
1: those nice awards that it got and uh it also won the san
0: sebastian international film festival that year and i don't know uh, anything about that festival but in san sebastian where is that even <laughs> spain oh well, that's nice well yeah. hopefully they got a nice trip to spain out of it
1: yeah so uh you know that's it i think uh Savoca at this point probably best known for if these walls could talk would you say
0: yeah we'll we'll talk more about her career uh but first we'll uh come back and talk our general thoughts on true love Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1989, we are talking about the Grand Jury Prize winner at the Sundance Film Festival that year, Nancy Savoca's True Love, which, as we were just saying, is a movie that's kind of fallen through the cracks that neither of us had been familiar with before seeking it out for this episode. But I think we were both pleasantly surprised, or maybe not surprised, but we enjoyed ourselves watching it.
1: Yeah, it's a fun you know, movie, like you said, about these... Uh to uh this couple that's about to get married and it basically takes place in the days leading up to the wedding and through the wedding and um one of the elements right off the bat is this kind of uh female dance pop soundtrack uh that powers it's powers it through you're getting stuff like push it by uh salt and pepper uh, and you know a lot of stuff that feels very of that time and it really feels like of that neighborhood. Like you could see this stuff exploding in the summer of 89. And um, so they did a great job, like with the tone and like you said, with the place as using the environment uh, to kind of like, like you said, this could be a walled off bubbled in community in the Bronx. Right. But I feel like a lot of these characters would feel like, This is the entire world, right? Right, and I think that's
0: part of the point of the movie is that there's none of these people ever think beyond their community, and that's why these two people are getting married because, hey, he's in the community, she's in the community. They started dating. That's what you do. You don't look outside for anything. Right,
1: and she even at one point when she's having second thoughts, she's like, she realizes if she calls off the wedding, she would lose her whole life there. She doesn't think she could live in the community anymore in the neighborhood, you know, and she'd have to move upstate. And, you know, she... Uh, it's almost like she'd rather be trapped in an imperfect marriage and still have her friends and her you know daily routines and have to start all over somewhere else
0: right i mean i think there is a real sense as this movie goes on and like you said we're leading up to the wedding uh it's a few days beforehand as these two people kind of get prepared and you you really get the sense that neither of them really want to go through with this or know exactly why they're doing it other than that they're expected to. I mean, I think at first you come into the movie and you think, oh, they are in love. And I, I, you know, one of the first ways you see them is they're trying to find some time to be alone together and that they're definitely into each other. But as the movie progresses, I think you, you get the sense that maybe it's not that they're not into each other, but they're just, they're not really a good match.
1: It's not a, it's not a perfect fit, but what is right. But uh
0: yeah, but I mean, it's more than just that.
1: No, I agree. But you know, even when you're talking about when they try to find that time alone together, they babysit Michael's uh, niece. Right. I um, think so. Yeah. And you know, it's like a big deal for um, Donna's character and she's getting them like special food for the night and making all these plans. And, you know, they're kind of, fooling around a little after the kids go to bed and and then like Michael's friends like show up outside the window and like he leaves and you know oh I'm going to go hang out with my friends at the bar and it's like that's something you don't realize at the time but an early indicator of him just not being ready for this next step of life
0: right i mean he wants to hang out with his dumbass friends far more than he wants to spend time with his fiance. I mean, his goombas, his goombas. Yeah. Like not only that night, but uh, you know, we get the sort of two big arguments related to this. One is his bachelor party where uh, she insists that after the party is over, they spend time together where she, she seems like she's like, that's the one night you let your, your guy kind of go do his own thing and you don't worry about
1: it. Yeah. You and I agreed that, she was in the wrong there yes but then at the wedding he after they got married he still wanted to go out with the fellas yeah you, you can't know? go out
0: with, with your buddies on your wedding yeah. night and we so were, he's definitely wrong there
1: yeah and it's just like these two are um you know i know in that one review you're like oh it's uh it's a reflection on how you see love in marriage and, that, and you kind of uh build the ending in your own head but like in my i, I feel like they were doomed you know and i thought yeah. the filmmakers did a good job of um, subtly building towards uh, this relationship that will not work.
0: I'm over here making notes for my wedding uh, later on this year. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely Thanks,
1: don't go out with your buddies yeah.
0: on your wedding night. Yeah, good do thing. this
1: right, goombas, and then put a circle and Yeah, yeah,
0: no goombas. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the strengths because, like I said at the beginning, you kind of think, or maybe I kind of thought that this would be a, a story about the community pressures and these two people kind of trying to find their own way because they are connected and the community is all not trying to tear them apart but kind of trying to dictate how they live but it's really about how they're not matched together Yeah cuz the
1: community's supportive I think in the whole way I mean even the dad that w- played by Vincent Pastore in the yes. early role who looks like he could be Annabelle Scioria's older brother. I
0: looked this up because you kept saying it as we were watching it and he's only 14 years older than her. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, he started
1: early. You know, exactly. So.
0: And they do say her parents say in this movie that they got married young. That's one of the, the plot points that her mom, you know, kind of confides in her that, that she and the father had to elope because their marriage was not yeah. approved.
1: Can we just say uh, Vinny Pastore rocking the curls like our man Dave over here? Uh,
0: is he... once again
1: bringing up my hair <laughs> yeah i feel dave's like Dave's is much thinner yeah so, yeah it, you... it,
0: this is a bad comparison i know you you're now looking for ways to compare dave's hair to things yeah, but you don't i feel have like the... in this case it doesn't look that similar you don't nearly have the the luscious hair of that yeah, story the, vol- the voluminous
1: hair of big pussy so i gotta oh. do a better job with my upkeep I think it's not going to happen and you're going to get less and less as the years go on (laughs) spoiler alert for your hair. Um, but you know, as they're driving to the wedding and the limo, he says, you know, if you want to call this off, you can stay and with us and all this and that. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think the community was supportive and she just uh, got it in her mind. Like, Hey man, we're it's this train's already rolling down the track. And he did too. Yeah. Cause you know, he is always looking for, that Type of out, he's talking to his friend at the bar and he's you know, uh, talking about getting caught in a loveless marriage like crazy Ray, one of the neighborhood guys, right? <laughs> crazy yeah, Ray. the guy
0: who they 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 <laughs> realized that he's been so much happier and more upbeat lately, and they didn't know why. And it turns out it was because his wife died,
1: yeah. And uh, and his buddy's like, You gotta cool out, bro. This is not your life, you know, stop stop comparing your, what your situation to crazy Ray's situation over here. So yeah, I mean, it was a good story and, um, fun little side characters. I thought they were all kind of fun, all the little friends and sisters and, you know, the goombas and all that.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the best things about this movie is, uh, you know, that sense of the community and that it's full of all these people and everyone's kitchen is always full of people and you don't know exactly who they are. They're, Relatives, their cousins, they're just people from the neighborhood who are hanging around, and you know. Again, I think that's part of why I thought at the beginning of the movie it would be about these two people trying to carve their own space for their relationship, and that's really not what it's about. And you realize as the movie goes on that they both have much stronger connections with those other people as in the community than they do with each other.
1: Yeah, you're right. There really weren't many other choices for either of them, though. No, no, right. oh, from the characters that we saw. You know, I like uh, I like the language when they introduce certain characters, like when Mikey is one of his boys goes uh, up to the window and, like, loo, 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 you know, making this sound is like, who's that? And he goes, like, that could only be one asshole. <laughs> right. you <know>? and, um, <laughs> Donna's sister has a great intro line. You see her on the phone and like she's on a payphone and she just says, like, I don't know why this guy's got an attitude problem. He's like, oh, fucking guys, fucking idiots. <laughs> like, that's how you meet her. It's just, you know, good. Uh, good tough-minded, uh, even uh, both male and female machismo running throughout the yeah, film. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. I mean, it's definitely what we think of in this Italian-American world. And, and one interesting thing, I, it was noted in one of these reviews in a, in a part that I didn't quote, but I forget which one it was, but basically saying that you watch a movie like this about these kinds of people in this kind of neighborhood and you just assume it's going to be about the mob. And yet there's no criminal element here no. at all.
1: No. Oh, and so, you know, to my knowledge, like I grew up, like I said, in a very mixed neighborhood and there was never any of that. You know, you'd go to the airport and you'd see like, you know, guys, you'd see, you'd see guys, guys, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> the you know. fellas. Yeah, yeah. So but um, no, nah, never like in just the normal neighborhood, although who knows? Maybe they all had secret lives. Right? right.
0: Well, no, I think that's a refreshing thing is that that's a movie stereotype of this kind of uh, environment. And we don't get that here.
1: I liked more of the stuff you know that I would recognize like uh at the uh, bachelor party he's got this uncle Carmine who says like your wedding days uh June twenty fifth I've been playing oh six two five on the lottery every day for the last month in your honor
0: like that's some great thing he's doing for right. him or whatnot. You right. Know?
1: If I hit the numbers, I'm gonna, you know, yeah, really go big. Yeah, here. you're
0: doing that the the Italian hand gesture there, the, the pinch finger. A lot famous. of talking with the hands. A lot of know? that, you know. It's so. exciting that the uh, the Italian hand gesture emoji has been recently announced.
1: Wow, that is exciting. That's
0: gonna really, you know, I think that that's what'll help this film be rediscovered. How about
1: I thought one great sequence was when he, like, he did go to the bar late at night uh, after the bachelor party and. He was drunk and uh, he started dancing with uh, just the lady there. Yeah, the lady. lady. who, And
0: she has a great sequence before that with her boyfriend. Yeah. Who is also someone else's boyfriend or she's also they both, I think, also have other relationships. She's
1: asking him who this woman is to him and right. she says well what about you you got this guy and he goes I broke up with him and she's like no no he dumped you, you right know?
0: he now doesn't want to date her because she's been dumped by her other guy right For you know but the only reason he was
1: she was dumped is because she knew the guy knew that he liked that guy is. Right, right. So. But it's
0: this weird circular logic that this guy has where it's like, well, if you got dumped by that other guy, yeah, now you're hung up on him. Right. You
1: know, so I can't date you. It's a very macho attitude.
0: Yeah, and attitude. also ridiculous. But yeah, so she's left alone at the bar and Mikey is dancing with her. Yeah.
1: And they have a very uh fun chubby checkers uh uh lesser-known song that they dance to. And it's that whole scene more than any other. I told you when we were watching it, I feel like Mean Streets was very uh influential on this film i feel like that whole scene could have been part of mean streets
0: yeah yeah and which is of course is a movie about people who are criminals and this is yeah this is not but you know they're definitely like you could see that all that stuff being like right on the edge of this you know that the other characters in the background that we don't see are busy doing yeah. that stuff in a back room like, you
1: something. definitely like like that dude who's always late who uh you know we had to go to yonkers to get drugs like, right you could see him getting shot within yeah. the next two weeks, but, <laughs> um, I liked. Uh, I I really thought there were only two things that didn't work for me in this movie. Yeah, one was the side story with this character with uh, Donna's best friend JC, uh, who was like basically like a mom to her younger sister, and you see this guy Brian who like has a crush on her, and early it's one of the first scenes he's like you know his friends like go talk to her, and he finally talks to her, and then like within like two or three scenes, he's asking her to marry him. Yeah,
0: that was a weird bit. And then he gets all offended when she says no. And I think we're meant to like sympathize with him on that. But, but no. Yeah, they kind of make up at the wedding,
1: but who cares? Like, you know. Right.
0: I mean, they're trying to, the the filmmakers are trying to give a a subplot of some kind. And yeah, it did feel a little stunted. I, I felt like, I didn't feel like this movie was contrived, but I did feel like it was maybe a little abrupt in the way it brought up some of the conflicts. Like even between the two main characters, where it starts out and they seem happy, even though, like you said, there are some cracks. But suddenly, with the bachelor party thing, that is this argument where again she's like obviously wrong, or even later at the wedding when he's obviously wrong, and it it seemed like maybe they were pushing a little too hard to have this be like a relationship ending thing.
1: I thought both of those were set up well, and um, those to me were microcosms of just bigger problems that they're gonna have where you know, his mindset of what a marriage is versus her mindset. Cause he even like when they're fighting about, uh, going out, you know, him going out on the wedding night, he even says like, I had the right idea tonight. And you know, all she says back is like, it's our fucking wedding night. Like right. that's all she should need to say to him at that point. Right. right.
0: No, I think like in the moments of those arguments, I can see it, but I, it, it, it felt like some of the conflict was brought up a little suddenly. To me, I I liked it more as like a portrait of the community and slightly less as like this relationship. Well,
1: one thing we might disagree there, but one thing we both agreed on is it has a very awful love scene in in there. Oh,
0: yeah. There's a super cheesy sex
1: scene. Yeah. With a very bad song. And it's like the night before the wedding where they're not supposed to see each other. And he actually I I rewatched the movie, as you know. Yeah. So. um he sneaks into the parents' house, and I don't think he would do that and go uh, have sex with the fiance in the kitchen.
0: Right? Uh, yeah, you never know when, mom. And and as we've established previously in the movie, these people spend a lot of time in the kitchen.
1: Right? They do. They're always eating the cheesecake, like they're the Golden Girls or something. Right? Like that. Eating and, cheesecake with their fingers.
0: Yeah, and uh,
1: you know, having uh, meetings. But I just don't think I don't think that you could safely, you know, get away with the pre-wedding banging in the kitchen when Vinny Pastore is in the
0: other room, you know,
1: it just, right. that one, that scene didn't work for me.
0: No, it didn't. I mean, and, and even more so than the like logistics of that, just the way that it's presented and shot. I mean, we keep saying how this movie feels authentic and that's a moment that doesn't, yeah. it yeah. feels like they threw it in as a sort of bid to get a mainstream release or something. I, I don't you know. know. It
1: wasn't, I don't, I can't see it. Cause it wasn't like, there's no nudity in it. So they're not doing it for that reason or whatnot.
0: Right, you know? But to have like, like the romantic scene that you can put in a trailer or something, I, I don't know. It did. It yeah. felt very out of place.
1: Yeah. Because with the moments leading up to that, where like, you know, she, they kind of make up and she calls him, uh, you know, and play, it was a sweet moment where, she's uh, turns on the radio and she
0: hears like their song right and they're not supposed to talk before the wedding so she just plays the song yeah the and phone. that's like
1: a very sweet moment and then he's making jokes is this maria is right, you know, full right. this really funny stuff and i think you could have ended it there and gone right to the next day and the emotional impact would have been better
0: yeah no i i agree and that's a that's a moment that that phone conversation where you get a sense of what connection they really did have at one time, like why they liked each other and how they had a nice dynamic at one point, even if they've had a lot of arguments since then. So yeah, that's definitely a low, a low point in the film.
1: Yeah. Um, when you're talking about this portrait of the neighborhood, I definitely like, you know, you see like these uh, middle-aged Italian women sitting around like Donna's mom with her friends. And she says, uh, one of, you know, ever since uh, he got the VCR, you know he's renting dirty movies all the time right he came home with deep throat the other night and I told him not to get in any ideas and it's just like fun stuff like yeah, that yeah and then know. of course
0: they watch a they watch a porn uh, on like 16 millimeter film or something at the bachelor party that the uncle has like dragged out of some closet yeah. somewhere
1: and the old guy from the deli's there the guy who tells her tells yeah. Mikey to Get a good look at your, at your fiance now. Cause when she has a kid, she's going <laughs> to blow up. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. A lot of things that you definitely feel like are, are authentic uh, to the neighborhood still to this day i would i'm say, sure i'm you know? sure we should mention however that despite this movie being very much about italian americans mikey is only half italian he's, he's also half irish. irish yeah I got yeah. some irish
1: there so yeah
0: no that's uh, not really i thought that could potentially be more of a plot point like the clash but it really doesn't come up barely at all it, it
1: doesn't but i think you're right it could have let's talk about the ending of the movie where they have this blowout fight in the bathroom after they're married And Annabelle Scioria comes out and says, you know, this isn't going to work. And then he says, don't say that. I want this to work. I love you, you know, and then that's kind of they hug, but we don't really know. And they're walking out of the bathroom and she says, you know, when you called me your wife before and she said, and he goes, yeah. And he goes, that was weird. Yeah. And she's like, he's like, yeah, it was, you know, and like, I thought that would have been a great ending there.
0: Right, well, then they go on and you see them taking photos and they're clearly very uncomfortable. Right,
1: and again, they're super uncomfortable and it's like, they take the photo and now we got to redo it. And it's like, I feel like they should have just taken the photo and we see them unhappy. And that's, I think they like went one or two beats too far at the end to hammer home a point that was already there.
0: Right, yeah, maybe so. But I think it's still ambiguous enough by the time you get to the end. And then after that, during the credits, we see all these- Big mistake. Yeah, well, see, I don't know because I feel like it, it it adds to that, like, ambiguous feeling. We see all these, like, home movies of all the people congratulating them at the wedding that presumably took place just before this. Right. And so we have that kind of unsettled feeling of, like, where are things going to go from here? I
1: See, and I felt like, because, I mean, you even see uh, Mikey and Donna there, and he's like, Mikey, go back. I and mean, He says to himself, go back in time, don't do it, right? Right. But, like, I felt like it ended on such an emotional note with, like, you're seeing like the way the graduate ended right yeah, it's a graduate a style ending
0: yeah yeah or or like a timey up timey down that we talked about recently
1: right sure there there you go which again i said was one shot too yeah long, you did you know? say that so, that's true um so i feel like this had you had the last image been just the two of them either leaving the bathroom saying that was weird or you see them taking the picture and how just unpleasant it is like that's the lasting impact of the movie now you're seeing like a bunch of like funny, funny family members and little kids eating ice cream. And it's like, this is fun home movies, but I, you left me with such a good emotional impact. Like this is negating that for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree that it could have ended on any of those other points and it would have been effective. I don't think that the way it ends, like negates the... or
1: le- it lessens the impact. I'm sorry. Maybe,
0: I don't know. I, no. to me, I still felt like it had that ambiguous unsettled feeling. Although I agree that like, Absolutely, from my perspective, they're totally doomed. And if they don't get divorced, they're just going to be miserable as a married I couple. I
1: know. And you could, and that could have been a good follow up movie, them five years later and right. seeing them, you know, still in this unhappy marriage. And, um, cause you don't really see,
0: uh, I don't think there's one divorced character in that movie, is there? Yeah, not that I can recall. I mean, this is the kind of community where people stay together. The, the people complain about their spouses. Like that crazy Ray guy had to wait until his wife died right, and so that he could have fun again.
1: You know, Mike at the beginning is living with his mom and he's, you know, the uncle lives next door. And they're taking uh, Mike and Donna taking like a, a cosmopolitan quiz of like, are we the perfect couple? And one of the questions is like, is your dream house a brownstone in Manhattan or a Victorian house in New England. And like, he goes, you know, none of those D, the answer is a two family house in the Bronx. And she's right. like, that's my answer too. And it's like, that's it. It's this little world. And like, right. That's let, the
0: biggest ambition. Right, that they Let's can get have.
1: our deli. And she, who knows what she'll end up doing, whether she's a nurse or a hairstylist, but like, let's, you know, like even the guy who owns the deli says like, if I know you, Mikey, you're getting married now. Soon, you know, soon enough there'll be little kids popping out. Like right. that's what you're supposed to do. You right. Know? Right. Work, get married, raise a family, and that's it, you know. But right. uh but yeah, I don't know. I it's it's a good movie, man. It's a it's a good movie, and the dialogue all re- rings true, and um the the feel of the place and the characters rings true for me. And I wish it I wish it was a, a better known film. I think it deserves it. And I think um I don't know. I don't know. I don't think, I I, I don't think this will get that,
0: you know, (laughs) now that it's been on awesome movie year, it is going to have a resurgence. Yes. But no, but you
1: know, certain, you know, there have to be some movies, right? That do find like an audience. Oh, sure, or...
0: sure. I mean, and I think this is also the kind of movie that if it were more accessible, if it were on some streaming service, that people could stumble across it and be charmed by it. Yeah. And it, it could get that, that resurgence, but it is at least at this moment not. And I don't know what the rights issues are as you were talking about. One last thing I just want to mention. Can we just note how much Ron Eldred looks like Zach Morris in this movie? That's a plus. <laughs> it was almost distracting to me at times were you like when the middle when
1: they were going to fight did you want him to call a timeout or something I, like yeah
0: that? or maybe he needed to turn to the camera and, and start talking to the audience or Donna, how
1: can i marry you you're not kelly kapowski
0: <laughs> so that's my main uh my main thought about ron Elder. he he definitely like performance wise i think she brings more depth than he does but they're matched all right.
1: You know what I like about her so much is um, and I think you see this throughout her career, there are so many moments where she could go big where she underplays it. Yeah. You know, where she's angry and like she's so quiet, and it ooh, it's tough. It's like she, you're like, man, she's this is this is a tough woman. This is gonna be a tough fight for you to win, fella.
0: You know? Right, so, yeah, yeah. I think she does that, whereas maybe he's a bit broader and Maybe part of that is that his character is meant to be maybe not the smartest guy in the world. And look, he's like you
1: said, he's an Italian Irish guy from the neighborhood in his mid twenties. Right. Right. I think that's what he played and he played it well. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: he didn't do a bad job, but I definitely think she, she stood out uh, a little more than, he. I mean, even, even the guy who owns deli, who's a funny character,
1: who's just yelling at the other deli guy. Like, what are you a fucking idiot? You know, like, but he's, he's telling him like, well, you know, we're going to sign the lease with your uncle you're going to retire in 10 years, and he's like, oh, I got to work for 10 years, seven days a week, and it's like, he doesn't see beyond going to the bar, watching The Honeymooners, the honeymooners which obsessed yeah obsessed with, and just being in that bar scene, and like, dude, I, you know, in a way, I can relate. I remember in my 20s, like, I was in a... You re- were engaged to your Italian-American neighbor. Yeah, I li- living in the Bronx making sang- sandwiches during the day <laughs> at the deli. No, but I was in a relationship in my 20s, and uh, she was a Good and devoted girlfriend, and I should have just been like focused on that. And I was always like, "Ah, oh, I want to go to a bar and hang out with like a big group of people tonight." And yeah. it's like you have to get more mature. Like I'm sure, like in his thirties, he'd be like, "You know, man, I kind of blew it with this lady, or something." Right, or
0: he'll be married to her in her in his thirties, and they'll have five kids, and he'll just resent her. I mean, it seems like that's where this movie is going. Either way, you know, <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, no. So, uh, do we want to rate this movie out of five? Uh, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Three and a half, forget about it. <laughs> I'm not going to do the voice, but I'm going to give it three. I liked it, but not as much as you liked it. But
1: you, we both liked it an ample amount. Yeah, yeah. And
0: I do agree that it's worth rediscovering, uh, especially if it gets more widely available. But even if not, uh, try to find the DVD. It's worth seeing. Yeah, sign
1: up for the DVD program on Netflix. It's all I the right. I recommend rage. that
0: anyway, really. it's That's where you can get movies that aren't available anywhere else. Uh, So we'll come back then in a moment and talk about the legacy of true love. Everyone, no matter how big a geek you are, has movies that they haven't seen that have other geeks saying, how have you never seen this movie? Well, we're here to help. At the Now You've Seen It podcast, we help you fill those gaps in your geek cred one movie at a time. Each episode, a guest who is watching the movie for the first time joins our rotating cast of hosts and panelists to discuss the movie and compare seeing it through fresh eyes versus seeing it with eyes filtered through the lens of nostalgia. You can find Now You've Seen It on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Now You've Seen It, no apostrophe, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1989, we've been talking about the Sundance Film Festival Grand Jury Prize winner, True Love, by director Nancy Savoca. And we've talked a bit about this already, the legacy, let's start with her. She's made a number of other films, but nothing else that's really made an impact.
1: Yeah, I mean, I want to watch some of her other movies. Um, We talked about Household Saints.
0: Dogfight, I think, was another early one. Those were the two I think she made right after this that seemed like they had a good amount of acclaim. And
1: then around 2000, was it called Union Square? She made with Mira Sorvino. Yeah, yeah. That did pretty well on the festival circuit. Like we said, we think if These Walls Could Talk was like probably her biggest, um, you know, project with HBO and everything. Yeah, and
0: weirdly, I I haven't seen, I don't know if you've seen it, but I haven't uh, seen that movie. I've certainly heard of it, but I was looking it up and it's like a sort of anthology-style movie with three segments. Two directed by Nancy Savoca, one directed by Cher. There you go. So So. uh, an interesting combination.
1: I mean, no, but if you, you know, what's funny is like when you said that I started thinking about
0: Moonstruck. Right. Well, Moonstruck was actually a comparison point in one of these. Right. And I'm
1: saying like these, these
0: characters are not that dissimilar. Right. You know. Right. I haven't seen Moonstruck. I know I should. You should. It's a good I, yeah. film. Yeah.
1: Nicholas Cage. Oh, I love fire. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> we talked about do the right thing as uh, you know, like I, I know watching this movie when you and I were watching it, I was saying I could imagine Danny Aiello's character from do the right thing being related to these people.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, it definitely struck of the seventies Scorsese movies. You had mentioned Cassavetes and um, just these kind of like, this is a, Man, that New York independent film boom in the late 80s and and through the 90s, perfect this perfectly fits in there, which is a great time period, a great sub-genre, if you will. You know, and uh I think we can both
0: agree felt a little like Ed Burns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you managed to bring up Ed Burns. You know, that's actually not an unfair comparison. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think I think you're right that like Nancy Savoca maybe should have been a director among other people from this time period who went on to bigger things. And I don't know why, I mean, the most recent movie she directed was a lifetime movie in 2015. That was like a VC Andrews adaptation. I mean, she's obviously not getting a ton of work.
1: And we wonder, you know, you wonder was it because she was a woman in the, I mean, I'm sure that's part of it, but um, no, I mean, yeah, definitely. Like when you watch a movie and you're like, Oh, this person has an interesting point of view. also some really awesome camera work in this movie like i love right away where they uh shoot through the pizza shop the c in the slice like across the street into the car there's some really cool stuff like that the entry uh shot into the wedding room you know and uh stuff like that but um yeah like she's she's interesting she's got a awesome feel for character
0: and dialogue and
1: uh i i want to see more i
0: i Do. Yeah. I mean, maybe hopefully she'll get another chance, you know, especially now, all these years later, she could do that movie about the, you know, older versions of these kinds of characters, the marriage after all that time, and how do people end up later on in the neighborhood here? And also the two other uh
1: people we should mention as influence who she worked for, uh John Sales and Jonathan Demi. Yeah, I can
0: absolutely see that. I mean, Rachel getting married is uh, you know, you could see this movie as an influence on that movie. In terms of the big wedding and people not feeling, uh, people feeling a bit unsettled about how things are going.
1: Yeah, I love all these like New York uh, movies around this time that are small stories, and there's so many of them. And it's it would it's kind of a fun subgenre to research.
0: Yeah. Should we talk about our main stars, Annabella Sciorra and Ron Eldred, both working but definitely never became like big stars? I always liked
1: Ron Eldred. I thought he was interesting the way he presented himself as an actor, and like you said, he's still working. Annabella, she she went on to do some great work with Spike Lee. Yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah, speaking of Do the Right Thing. Yeah, so uh, Jungle Fever, right? That right. Was yeah, the, she was know? the
0: main. Her and Wesley Snipes were the stars. Of yeah, that.
1: great movie, and um. You know, as we know now, she's dealing with all the Harvey Weinstein crap oh, she's a right. yeah. there. But um, yeah. I'd love, I'd lo- I hope we see much more of her. I'm, I'm happy to see either of them in anything and uh, all those fun little side actors, too.
0: Yeah. So uh, this was an interesting note that I, I looked up. Do you want to guess how many actors from this movie went on to appear in at least one episode of The Sopranos. That's an awesome
1: trivia thing that you did. I looked up every single one of them.
0: That's fantastic. How long did that take? It didn't take that long.
1: Well, the ones off the top are Annabella Scioria, uh, Vincent Pastore, Aida
0: Totoro. Right, those are the obvious ones.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of... uh, who else? Uh, I'll say six. Is that right? It's
0: seven. Seven actors in this movie. Who are movie. the others? This is The exciting. others are ones, I mean, some of them just made one brief appearance, and some of them, like, one of the people in this movie is credited as Delhi customer, so yeah. they didn't have a big role. But as you said, the three that you mentioned, as well as Marianne Leone, who I think had a fairly substantial role. As, John, do you know who she I was? I don't remember. I mean, I I have actually never yeah. watched The Sopranos, so I wouldn't know any of these But do you characters. know
1: who she was in this movie?
0: Um she was I think she might have been the, the mother uh yeah. Annabella Sciorra's mother. Yeah. yeah. Uh John Nacko, Steven Randazzo and Judy Prianti all appeared on Stephen the Steven Randazzo
1: is a name I recognize yeah. from the Sopranos credits. Yeah. I, yeah, that's
0: exciting. <laughs> so yeah. clearly whether they knew it or not the Sopranos heavily influenced And vice versa
1: you could see any of those Sopranos actors like in this, you know, in this uh, in this movie. Right, yeah, well. James
0: Gandolfini could have absolutely been uh, someone's dad in this movie or somebody's uncle or cousin or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or in the 89, the lead. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Tried, I I can't imagine him as like a guy in his 20s, although I'm sure he was, but he, he always just yes. in my mind is this like, you know, Towering. balding guy in his 50s or something. Well, that's how he left us. Right, That that is true. Um, and this is also, I think, part of I don't know if you want to call it a trend, but something that happens a lot at Sundance where the main winner isn't the movie that goes on to be like the big pop culture sensation. Yeah, that does happen a lot. What are some other ones that you- I uh, don't know. Okay. But that's the point is that they've been forgotten. But I feel like that happens, you know, it it happens more often where there's a movie like Sex, Lies and Videotape that's so well known. And if you look back at like, oh yeah, that movie was at Sundance and it was such a big deal at Sundance. And you look at that year- of Sundance. And then like some other movie that you've never heard of was the actual winner.
1: Well, that's a lot to do with like, you know, the, what we think the tastemakers will say the mainstream audiences will want. Like, you know, this year we know that the Andy Samberg movie broke the record by like 69 cents. For right. Vegas, but that you know? wasn't
0: the the, right, the jury right. prize winner.
1: Right. That's just something they watch. It's like, Oh, that's, that's going to be the movie that people want to see.
0: Right. Right. So it's interesting, I think, and I'm sure it makes up to like who else, who is on the jury in a given year and what their particular tastes are. Um, but it's just that interesting contrast. That I, I
1: agree with about. what you're saying, but I don't know that this many of them get this far lost. No,
0: well, I mean, also this is this is early. I mean, this is like the fifth year or sixth year of the festival. Like, you know, it's had a lot of time to get lost. You know, a movie from a few years ago that maybe didn't turn out to be much of a big deal is, is probably at least still around. It hasn't fallen off yet. Um, but there are definitely other movies like that. So any other uh, thoughts on the legacy of this film? I think we pretty much covered it. Um, Yeah, just a good piece overall. Yeah, I think we would both agree, like you said, to if you can see it, give it a shot. It's worth it. You know,
1: if you were like, if this was like you said, streaming or was on HBO and like you were just home one day and knew nothing about it and flipped it on like we knew nothing about it, I think you you would be like.
0: I'm really glad I watched this. Yeah, I, it's the kind of thing that would draw you in really almost no matter where you've started with it. You get a sense of that you're, you're really like immersed in that neighborhood, in that area, and it would, it would make you watch to the end. This
1: is part of the fun of doing this podcast is discovering movies that we wouldn't have otherwise have known about.
0: That is true. So that is True Love, and that is this episode of Awesome Movie Year. You can follow us on social media.
1: Yes, we are more visible than the movie True Love (laughs) on social media. Just barely. I'm Jason Harris Comedy, or J. Harris Comedy. Jason Harris Comedy on Facebook, Instagram, J. Harris Comedy on Twitter, and my website. Still under construction.
0: Go for <laughs> Jason. A lot of construction happening. A lot of cones on your website.
1: We're getting there. And Josh, of course, we are at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram, Facebook, and AwesomeMovieYear.com, and then AwesomeMoviePod on Twitter.
0: I am at JoshBellHatesEverything.com, JoshBellHatesEverything on Facebook, and Signal Bleed on Twitter. And you can listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. You can find Piecing it Together wherever you listen to this podcast and follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces where I'm curious to see if any of those weirdos have seen this movie.
1: But let I'm me just about say that about too. that. I love that's one of the things I love about the Facebook group is you do get people suggesting movies that you haven't heard of and wouldn't have known about otherwise so we get to now do that to them.
0: Yeah. There you go. Those weirdos can listen to these weirdos yeah (laughs) so what do we have next jason
1: next week we have another movie that no one's ever heard of (laughs) the best picture winner of
0: 1989 driving miss daisy so quite the contrast there tune in next time for driving miss daisy thanks for listening to awesome movie year thank you for listening to awesome movie year make sure to follow awesome movie year on facebook at awesome movie pod on twitter and at awesome movie year on instagram And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts.
1: And all points west.